This is episode 8 of Parenting 2.0, The Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in to a conversation I had with Dr. Joelle Hood. She's going to talk about mindfulness and how we can develop empathy in our lives. Empathy is not something you're born with or not. It is a skill that has to be taught and continuously practiced. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Welcome, everybody. We have a guest today, Dr. Jo Elhood. She is a co-founder of, not only co-founder, but the Chief Empowerment Officer at Thriving U University, right? Do you say it Thriving <laughs> University or Thriving U University? Thriving University. With the, the, emphasis, U, on the, the emphasis is on the Y-O-U. Got mm-hmm. you. I was wondering about that because the U is capitalized and for good reason because you're a former teacher, you're a former principal of the year, teacher of the year, and now you just took a social and emotional stance, it feels like, if you will, to be able to provide uh, keynote speaking, coaching, workshops, just basically all over the nation. At your expertise of emotional intelligence and mindfulness, it just, it speaks to anyone who knows your name. I mean, in my schools, time and time again, people say, oh yeah, Joelle Hood, oh, she's doing this, she's doing that. So, you know, you're doing a great job getting the word out there. But for me, um, I wanted you to get a chance to tell us what sparked your flame to be able to move from uh, full-time teaching into the field of mindfulness and the science of belonging and human connection and everything that you're uh, in now? How, what, what really encouraged you to do that? Wow. Well, that's probably a, a big question. So um, initially, when I went to college, my, I majored in psychology. So that has always been an interest and fascination of mine um, and then ended up becoming a teacher did that for 13 years but all of the, the while I took all of those psychology pieces that I had learned and used them in my classroom so even before I knew what social emotional learning was because we didn't have that term back when I was a teacher um, I was still doing things to meet the whole child like I knew that a whole person a whole human being was coming into my classroom and how was I going to address that? And how was I going to address myself in presence to that? And so I think I've been doing this work, even without the names, kind of for a really long time. When I became an administrator, a reluctant administrator, <laughs> I really um, had no desire to be an administrator. I got my admin credential because I wanted to do professional learning. And then got recruited to become an assistant principal. And Um, When I started working with adults, both as an assistant principal and a principal, I realized that the work, in education, we tend to focus on students first, students first, right? But we're missing a big piece because in front of students are these adults. (laughs) And if we don't build the capacity of adults, then it doesn't matter what great things we give kids because the loudest curriculum in the room is the teacher. That's so true. And so, um, so I really became passionate about, um, like transferred my, my passion for kids into really my passion for adults who teach kids or who work with kids. And so, and leaders actually who then work with the adults who work with the kids. So in my dissertation, um, I focused on teacher well-being. Okay. And so while I was studying that, and doing all the research on teacher stress and what makes teachers resilient, um, I came across this idea of employee engagement. And I realized, wow, we don't use those words in education. And so then really became fascinated by 
this work beyond schools in business, in education? Um, how do we engage and how do we as um, adults, as significant others, as parents, how do we show up for the people around us? So now, at that time, were you already um, practicing mindfulness yourself, or when did you begin to get introduced to mindfulness? So, uh, again, I didn't know the word mindfulness when I was a teacher, um, but I did meditate. Um, one day, we were, we were just having a rough day in the classroom, my kids and myself, my students. And so I said, all right, we're going to go to the beach. And I taught in a place that was very, very far away from the beach. And so, in fact, some of my kids had never even been to a beach. And, I, and they're like, what? And I said, just close your eyes. And I said, we're going to go to the beach. And so they, all, they already thought I was nuts. So it was fine. <laughs> they, um, and so I just said, okay, we're imagining ourselves on the sand, the ocean, you know, coming up and the wave is just kind of going through our body and taking all the grit and grime and grudges and negativity we got going on. And it's just splashing out on the top of our head. And then we're gonna, and we and we just did it, and it was spontaneous. And I don't know what I mean, other than I knew we were all stressed out that day. And um, the kids liked it, and I didn't know that I would ever do it again until a few days later when these kids came in and they're like, "Oh my gosh, we have a math test next period. Can we go to the beach today?" Oh, and I, I love like, it. Yeah, we can. Wow. And so, um, I, you know, way back then, I didn't know about the word mindfulness at that point, but I did know meditating and having quiet moments. And so I did give that to my kids. And then I would say I went to um, one of my life changing experiences was going to the Greater Good Science Center um, Institute for Educators. In that, in that setting, I met some people from mindful schools. And so then I enrolled in the year long certification process with mindful schools. Oh, I'm a mindfulness instructor. So yeah, and now I'm super excited because I'm actually learning again. Um, start today's the first official day, but I'm in a, a certification program for educational neuroscience. Wow. So I'm after Butler University, so I'm really excited. Wow. Um, it sounds like a, after you learn all that, you'll have to come back and be a guest again <laughs> to educate there us. Go. There you right. go. Yeah. But wow. I remember a few years back, you were doing the mindfulness classes for our school district, right? So you were hired and it was kind of a, a, an interesting brand new thing. It hadn't been done before where it was offered to basically teachers, administrators, counselors, and we were able to sign up for this breathtaking class. Uh, and it, it, it was marketed to us as a way for us to learn how to do mindfulness with kids, right? And that was a trick. <laughs> that was a great trick that I wanted to talk about because I, I here I am sitting there in an entire room full of these educators with that expectation, mm -hmm. and it's just brilliant how you've been able to, I guess, just master the art of without even us feeling threatened. We didn't feel weirded out by it. You just kind of led us into introducing what mindfulness was and then doing mindfulness with us. And then we were able to <laughs> get personally, you know, introduced to the practice for our own life because of the fact that, you know, even though we're going to talk about some of the courses you have, uh, the course you have a little bit later and all of that, for the sake of the people that don't know what mindfulness is, and they're in the camp that I was when I walked into your course, where I really didn't know. I just knew this was a gap uh, in, in that I didn't know, but I knew that I, I needed to know. What would be the simple definition you would give to mindfulness? I'll, I'll give you two. So John Kabat-Zinn, who's like the godfather of secular mindfulness, his definition is being in the present moment without judgment, intentionally. I would say even simpler, than, which is pretty simple, but simpler than that, I would say it's being where your feet are. Mm. So um, a lot of times our feet, like my feet could be here with you right now, but maybe my mind's thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? Or am I going to go somewhere after this? Or what about what happened 10 minutes ago? You know, and we're all over the place. And being mindful is really just one, being aware enough to acknowledge that your mind has wandered. And then practicing just bringing it back mm -hmm. where it needs to be. People often ask me what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation. And I would say, you don't have to practice meditation to practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is right now in the moment. 
But if you practice meditation, which is just being in the moment for a longer period of time, then you'll get better. It's like if I um, am a marathon runner, going up a flight of stairs is not going to win me because I'm used to running marathons. If I'm not a marathon runner, which I'm not, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I might get winded going up the stairs. I can still take the stairs without being a marathon runner, but being, you know, running would help me take stairs easier. Does that, yes. that kind of make sense? Yes, absolutely. And because I do think that that's been something people kind of get mixed up. Is mindfulness just plain meditation? Is it more than that? Is it less than that? Now we have all these apps. And I think it's becoming more and more generally accepted that people need to take a minute and not just let themselves mm -hmm. keep thinking, thinking, thinking. And some people think that's all mindfulness is. You know, just learn how to take a minute, learn how to breathe. But yeah. it actually, um, it, it's actually a practice that's, it, it, while being in the present moment, it's a centering. So you can then move forward from that moment, being a more present self, a better version of yourself, uh, a, a version of the person that you actually intend to be. You wove that in and out of that class. And the reason why I was, I'm, I've always been so excited to follow your work is because it changed my outlook on how to approach life when I understood mindfulness in that session and then continued to practice it. And I still practice it to this day. I just wonder if you have had situations where you've been surprised by an outcome. You know, you didn't even know how it was going to happen and then you saw change or, you know, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of a specific time like that, but what pops into my head is we have an online course. We do in-person stuff um, and all of our stuff. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about trauma or mindfulness or SEL or engaging practices. Our focus is always on the adult first, which is what you found in breathtaking, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess what I see happening over and over is that adults come in thinking, how do I fix my kids, whether it's their own kids, personal kids, or their um, students, and what they, re what they walk away with is, oh, this is about me and, and my presence and how that can impact my kids, just the emotional contagion of whether I'm in a good mood or a bad mood or how I... If I'm able to take a moment and respond rather than react, you know, all of those things. And I think that has been over and over. I guess that it, I don't know if I, I'm still surprised, but I am in a way just kind of like, oh, again, like they, it's just such a big aha. And that fills me with joy that this is about me. This is about yeah. So Me first, because yeah, it is the oxygen mask. You're on the other side watching this group. Do you see people, do you see that change? Is it noticeable when people begin to like go through a mindful sit or they, they're listening and they're like, I get it. I need to change. Do you ever notice that aha moment? Yeah, I do see the aha moments. And I have to tell you too, just even recently, I couldn't see it because it was online, but we had a group of elementary um, classified staff actually. Okay. Um, who were because of COVID, they weren't at school and their principal wanted them to take a course. So they took our course and it's 12 modules. Two, um, one of the modules is mindfulness for adults and one of them is mindfulness for kids. And so many of these staff members would write in the re their reflections about, oh my gosh, I immediately did this with my own kids. Oh my gosh, I did this with my husband or I did this with my wife. And um, they realized that just like we want to treat the whole child, their whole adult comes to work every day. Their uh -huh. whole adult is at home in the living room, you know, every day. And so um, I think that has been, I mean, again, kind of, we talked a little bit before we got on here about how there's so much in our life that's out of our control, especially right now, but probably all of the time. You know, I like to say you can really only control what's in your hula hoop. And what, what, what can fit in your hula hoop? Just you. And so when you realize that I can't, I can't do much about that right now, but I can control how I respond to it. I can control. And I, and I think helping people see that mindful breathing is probably the most popular thing, but you can also go for a mindful walk. You could also um, do mindful coloring. I do that with adults and they are, I say five minutes and they're like, can we have five more? Um, you know, just a chance to focus your attention on something. Yes. Without getting distracted. Mm -hmm. And 
part of the platform that I bring to parents is saying, having the focused mindset is when you decide on purpose what your next action is going to be. And to me, that's such a huge difference between like you had said earlier, reacting, you know, and reacting to this and reacting to that. And you're always in reaction mode. And I think that lends to our today with the, with 2020 being completely unex, one unexpected event after another is what we've had. Um, it almost wants to push even those of us that have tried to be very proactive. It's almost pushed us into a reactive mode that we never intended on being in. But because of the state of us not knowing and not being so much in control, it comes with a price of our own self saying, wow, now we're not our best self, you know? And now, right. now what are we going to do with that? You know what? We can regain that back. It's okay to focus on ourself. Can you speak to the behalf yeah. of that of where, where I'm going with that one? Well, yeah. And I would say absolutely. Um, we know that airplane story that, you know, the oxygen mask goes on you first. And I think a lot of parents um, feel that if I take time for myself, somehow I'm being selfish. Um, I'm weak. I should just be able to, you know, make this happen. But the truth is, it's probably the most unselfish thing you can do to take care of you. To say, I need to have this time to regroup so I can be, I can show up better for my significant other, for my kids. Um, you know, I think of when I was little, my parents did this thing and I couldn't stand it, but now I understand. Um, so my parents' names are Barbie and Ken. I'm not making that up. That's the truth. <laughs> I love it. And um, so I was the youngest of three and my job from when I can remember, you know, I'm probably eight or nine at this time was to do the dishes. And um, after dinner, when my parents would go into the other room and have coffee after dinner and we were not allowed in there. Oh gosh. And I thought, how rude, you know, I should come have coffee with you, even though I was, you know, nine years old. And they were like, no, this is our time to connect. And although I didn't get it then, I look at that now and go, wow, they were making time, not only for themselves, but for each other, so they could present better to us. That's powerful. Right? Like, and, um, you know, I think it brings me to just another concept that probably would be valuable to your listeners, and that is the flashlight of attention. Okay, let's just take COVID, for example. We're all trapped in our homes, so we're with people, but that doesn't mean we're present with them. True. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, we can get so busy and looking at mail and, um, you know, whatever we're doing, that we're answering people without looking at them. We're not stopping what we're doing. The TV's on, the devices are all going. You know, how do we give a flashlight of attention. I, I make a joke about, I have several dogs and when I come home, they all go crazy, right? They're all jumping. They want attention. And if I don't look them in the eye and I actually have to hold their face, look them in the eye and say their name, they don't leave me alone. Hmm. But if I do that, they're like, oh, she saw me. I'm good to go. And, and then I thought, gosh, I had students like that. Students, if I didn't say their name, I didn't have to hold their face, but if I didn't look them in the eye and say their name, they could spend a whole period trying to get my attention. And, um, and so the importance of just stopping, even if it's for two minutes, two minutes of flashlight of attention is worth far more than an hour of really not paying attention. The flashlight of attention, that just reminded me, uh, that my, I, have, I have all kinds of thoughts going on, but explain a little bit more that flashlight of attention. What, what is that exactly? So I, I would say, um, for example, so I would do that with my dogs, right? <clears throat> but then I might start like going through the mail and my husband would be like, um, hello, I'm over here, you know? And I'd be, it would, because he wasn't as annoying as the dog, it yeah. would be easy to just kind of say, hey, and get busy, right? So we kind of came up with a new rule that, you know, if, especially because I used to travel quite a bit, when I come home from a trip, um, 15 minutes, no device, uh -huh. no, like, and it was super, super awkward. I'm not yeah. going to lie because we're not used to talking to people. We're not used to that. Right. And so at first it was like, how's your ship? Again, how is it here? Again. Okay. Uh, you know, um, until we could recapture that because we're losing the art of conversation. And I, I'll never forget, um, doing a four day resilience training, similar to breathtaking with a, a group of educators 
in Central California. And um, at the end of day one, we were in a circle, closing circle, and one of the uh, educators there said, I'm going to have to go home and apologize to my family. And so, you know, we're like, why? And she goes, I don't think I've been present for the last 20 years. Wow. Goes, don't get me wrong. I was the mom that drove all my kids to all their sporting events. Yes. I did all, I was at every event, but I don't know that I was ever singly focused with my flashlight of attention on my kids. I think they were talking to me and I was cooking or I was correcting papers or I was cleaning or I was doing, but I don't know if I ever just stopped and, and put my focus of attention solely on them. That, and that's so amazing. it's powerful. Yeah. Know? It's extremely powerful because we can take a moment to allow ourselves to put that flashlight on ourselves and where we are in that moment. And then we can take that and choose to say, you know what, I need to walk over to that child, get down at their level, look at them in the eye, just like you would with the little dog that's, and mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. how are you really doing today? No, how are you really doing today? You know, and yeah. those are those deliberate moments where like, so what you're saying, like basically flashlight, you're shining mm -hmm. that flashlight directly on, on them. It doesn't even matter if they feel uncomfortable because they'll walk away with a completely different feeling about your connection because you mm -hmm. chose to do that, you know? And that's, that's such an interesting thing to unpack of how important it is to take moments out of your day to do the things that we just rush through normally. Well, and, and I'm gonna be super transparent and hashtag authentic. Um, when I was a principal, I used to pride myself on being like the best multitasker that huh. there was. And um, which by the way, sidebar, no such thing as a good multitasker. If we don't do anything well, it's not good for our brains either. But um, at that point I thought I was, and people would come talk to me, staff, I'd be busy doing something on my computer and these horrible words would actually come out of my mouth. Do you need my eyes and ears or just my ears? Oh my goodness. And I think about that now and I think, oh, if I only had known then just about stopping like just even a minute two minutes to look you in the eye and say what is it that I can do for you mm -hmm. you know it's just the power of connecting with people and and again just being present so I don't think people need to worry about the time it's not the quantity mm -hmm. but just the quality even even two minutes to just engage with somebody undistracted Yes. And that's the stuff that we can do right, right in our homes. You know, um, mm -hmm. the, we just mentioned a little bit about the uncertainty and it's going to continue to be uncertain. I mean, from what I'm gathering with all of the parents that are listening today, there's probably 17 to 20 to even more different outlooks that they're looking at for education next year. They don't know how things are going to look, where their kids are going to go to school, if they're going to continue having to be the number one teacher, are they going to have to find someone to watch them? There's so, it, it's something that brings a lot of stress. And I think the tiredness that we end up feeling is because our mind is just working a thousand minute, miles an hour to try and catch up with where we're at right now. You know, like, what are things going to look at? Well, that's one stress. What are my kids doing right mm -hmm. now? Are they getting enough? Are they not getting enough? That's one stress. What is my work going to look like? That's another stress. And there's a lot of people that are dealing with stress, just an underlying stress that they have to kind of weigh on their shoulders, that um, the work that you do and the things that you promote can help lighten that load. I'm going to add a piece to that because I think even beyond stress, right now, I think we're all grieving. Oh, I think yeah. I would say, and I, I usually don't use words like all, I would say most, but I would say a very strong most, if not all of us are grieving. And we're grieving the loss of events that we wanted to go to, a graduation, a wedding, a funeral. Um, we're grieving the loss of normalcy, of getting to go do what we want to do. We're grieving the loss of seeing our friends or family that are um, that we're not able to connect with. Uh, some people are grieving the loss of financial loss during this time. And so um, in addition to, to the stress, and I, I definitely feel like there's definitely stress and lots of anxiety about the unknown. Um, but I definitely want to just acknowledge that I think, you know, we're all grieving. And so that's, 
the shared humanity that we're in. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a popular meme going around that we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. And so, you know, some of us may have a better boat than that or a stronger boat, you know. Um, and so we just have to be mindful and empathetic of that, that even though we're all in this storm, the resources we have to deal with it are different. And so mm-hmm. coming from a place of empathy. Um, and then, yeah, there's just simple things that you can do um, to, to address the stress and anxiety, to build your own resilience. And so um, since doing our class, the breathtaking, um, I actually came up with a, a shorter one because some districts, you're, you were very lucky um, that they did, we did six, I think, evening sessions. Some districts do uh, four full days, um, but if they only have a day, um, it's called taking time to breathe. And breathe is an acronym. And so in addition to mindfulness, I sort of infused a lot of positive psychology pieces. Okay. Because that's also what builds resilience. So the B stands for build belonging. We know that social connection is vital to our um, resilience. And so um, even though we're physically distancing, social connection is more important than ever. I am Zooming with my family once a week. That's actually me interacting with my family more than before COVID. And I bet that's going to continue now, you know? So, um, you know, taking that opportunity, um, picking a friend out of a hat or through your contact list and just say, this week I'm going to contact these, I'm going to make two phone calls or I'm going to do two Zooms with these people and just connect with them. So it's, belonging is critical. Um, A feeling of not belonging is uh, as equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Um, and we see that. We see that in seniors when they start to have their social connections dwindle, their physical health period. So it's, it's just huge. Um, the R is to reflect on purpose, on your purpose. And, you know, to be honest, I think right now is a perfect time to do that. You know, what is your why? Because I have seen some amazing things. You know, I was telling my husband the other day that, you know, in the dark ages, they had the plague and then they had the renaissance. And here we have kind of this plague of COVID. And yet I see so many people doing really creative things on YouTube, on Zoom. You know, they're, they're like coming out of the, the creative, you know, shell that they might have yes. been in. Right. You know, and so um, because your purpose is not what you do. It's why you do it. Mm. So, for example, a lot of people will say to me, because I work with a lot of educators, oh, teaching is my why. And I say, no, teaching is a what. Interesting. Why do, you, why do you teach? Oh, I don't know. And then we dig, we dig, we dig. And then it's like, oh, I want to be the teacher that um, connects with kids. The teacher that I, like one teacher I had in high school that made all the difference. Ah, so connection is your why. You know, another teacher might say, I want to teach math because I want kids to be able to be financially independent and savvy. Okay, so supporting kids financial independence is your why yes is what you do so it's really important I think to um you know reflect on what what is my why what are my strengths what am I good at what does the world need what do I have to offer um and it might be paid or it might not be paid you know mm-hmm. um so tapping into your purpose I think right now is is really important um, we also know that people with a strong sense of purpose live seven years longer than those who don't. So, Scientifically one. proven. That's just a little, <laughs> side, little side note there, right? Little side note. Little side note. <laughs> um, let's see. So BR. So E is for engage in self-compassion. And again, we've t- kind of talked about this already. Um, but actually, I'd like to do a little breathing exercise with you. Do you want to do one real quick? Absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely okay. down for that. I have found that this one I need to do a lot lately. So um, we're just going to do three breaths. We're going to inhale through our nose. And um, I'll say it out loud. You're going to say it in your mind. Breathing in, I do my best. And then we're going to say breathing out. I let go of the rest and do a big exhale. So three big breaths. Ready? Here we go. Breathing in, I do my best. Breathing out, I let go of the rest. Breathing in, 
I do my best. Breathing out, I let go of the rest. One more time. Breathing in, I do my best. And breathing out, I let go of the rest. I, I feel that when we when we get to that point, that's I can, I hope that listeners, you guys joined in with us. And if not, take it back 30 seconds and join with us in this exercise, no matter where you're at, because you can feel yourself decompressing. You can actually yeah. uh, auto, almost like a as much as you would feel happiness or sadness, you can feel that um, tension kind of like choosing to leave your body when Absolutely. you get into that moment. And the reason we do the breathing in through our nose and out through our mouth is when we breathe in through our nose, it actually stimulates our vagus nerve, which is the largest bundle of nerves in our body. And it serves to slow our heart rate, lower our blood pressure. And that's why you physically can feel shift. Sometimes I like to take my Fitbit and look at my pulse. I don't have a cool Apple watch. I'm sure it's even cooler on an Apple watch, but um, <laughs> where you can like look at your, your resting heart rate, take some deep breaths in through the nose and you can watch your, your pulse drop. Yeah. You know, it's pretty amazing. So, um, yeah, I do that one a lot lately because we need a lot of grace lately. You know, we need things um, right I'm in the moment. It. Yes. I'm doing the best I can. Right. Um, and then let's see. So that's, uh, E a is amplifying attention, awareness, and awe. And that's doing things like practicing mindfulness, there's a lot of free apps right now that you can, you know, people are offering things for free. Um, the Calm app, 10% uh, Happier, Headspace, different apps like that. Or you could not have an app and just breathe. You always have your breath with you. Or get, um, you can download, um, you know, mindful coloring pages and just get your pens or pencils or crayons out and sit in the corner and get to work on that and go for an awe walk um, where you're just, Again, not doing this for exercise and, and going out, but just doing it to just be present, to look at the trees, to look at the house next door, to look at what's on the sidewalk, you know, just to be present. Is awe an acronym for anything or why awe? Like, okay, so, oh, good question. So awe is actually an emotion um, that we feel it's a sense of wonder. Like when you're looking at the Grand Canyon, or you're looking at a hummingbird, or you're looking at an ant crawl along with a giant crumb, and you're like, how do they do that? Or you're looking at the birth of a child, or the smile on the child's face. That creates the sense of awe, of wonder, like amazement. The only problem is we don't get to experience that unless we're paying attention and have awareness, mm. right? Unless we miss all of these awe moments, you know, of, oh, look at that beautiful cloud or look at the way the sun is shining on that tree. We miss that when we're just busy, busy, busy. Yes. And so when we are able to strengthen our awareness and our attention, then we get to experience awe. An awe moment. Yes. An awe moment. So um, I would say if, you, if you're interested in awe, um, look at Greater Good Science Center and they have an awe quiz. You can okay. That's all oh, right. Check that out. I think I need to do that. Uh, it's fun. And um, actually, I love awe. Awe is my sanity a lot of times. Like, <laughs> um, just recapturing that sense of wonder. Yes. Then it makes life's problems seem little in the big scheme of things, right? Um, T is for tapping into thankfulness and appreciation. And um, I think we see a lot of stuff on social media and, you know, about gratitude journals. Um, I personally write down three things that I'm grateful for every morning. And sometimes it's just coffee. Sometimes it's like, Ooh, it's a cool breeze this morning. It doesn't have to be something big, but starting off your day focused on what you're grateful for. And then my push or my challenge would be, in addition to practicing gratitude, really practice appreciation. So um, calling someone, writing a note, letting them know why you're grateful for them gives you that extra boost. Mm. It doesn't just do something for them. It really does something for you too. And so. Um, that doesn't have to cost money either. See, all these no. things are free. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, so then H is harness your thoughts. So we have a lot of thoughts that come into our crazy minds. We, um, we tend to spend a lot of time 
ruminating about the past and worrying about the future and not where our feet are. And we can be pretty hard on ourselves. You know, we talk negatively. We say things to ourselves that we would never say to a friend or maybe even an enemy. Mm. But yet we say these things to ourselves. And so, you know, there's a lot of, of work on automatic negative thoughts or cognitive distortions. When we say things like, um, oh, I'll never be able to do that or this always happens to me. Well, yes. those statements, just because you think them, they're not true. <laughs> so first we have to establish, you're not your thoughts and just because you think it doesn't make it true. Um, and so we can argue against those and, and, and kind of become like a lawyer presenting against ourselves and saying, no, sure. Remember when you just found that parking spot last week? See, you do get a parking spot sometimes. Yes. So, um, and then another thing I like to do is just um, this thing called 50 snaps. So do you want to do 50 snaps? With me? Absolutely. A minute? Okay, so we're just going to count silently to ourselves. So listeners, do wherever you are, if you're driving, you can do it with one hand, but we're going to count 50 snaps. Ready? Go. you were not doing while you were snapping and counting oh I was so busy counting I couldn't think about all the other things <laughs> exactly exactly and that's really the 50 snaps is just kind of a fun way to interrupt when you find yourself going down a thought spiral or a thought hole what you really need to do is just interrupt it yes and, um, okay you can interrupt it you can interrupt it with taking some deep breaths right but you, you can interrupt it with arguing against yourself. But even like 50 snaps, sometimes it's just something tangible, like I'm going to snap out of it and just do that. And I have had people text me going, hashtag 50 snaps all day today, or, you know, and um, because it is, it's just kind of, it makes it, I think it's like naming it to tame it, to tame it um, strategy because you, you know, you're having these irrational thoughts. Yes. And so you, you're like, I'm going to just snap out of it. And, and it does, it takes the power away. But it's when someone says, just snap out of it, that's never going to, that's, that's aggressive. You know, don't tell me to snap right, right. out of it. But if right. you can have a practice that you can do to say, you know what, why don't you snap? Yeah, why don't you try 50 snaps? And then their mind will yeah. be snapped right out of it without them being told that. Right. It's very interesting. I exactly. love that. Exactly. Well, yes. Telling someone to calm down or snap out of it does not work. So. Right, it, right, which that. is always our go-to. <laughs> even, even with our kids, I, t I talk about this, and I have more and more parents come to me, and they end up saying, that was really mind-blowing that I shouldn't tell my child to calm down, <laughs> you know, and because we, we just want to, we want so much to help them that mm -hmm. we forget to listen to some of the things that you said where we need some strategies. We need some right. actual things that we can do to get this, the result that we're looking for. Instead of telling them to calm down, you could say, let's just take a couple breaths together. And yes. See what happens. You know? mm -hmm. Can I pause yes. also yes, at, the, at the harness your thought one? Because I didn't get a chance to mention the story that I think you had heard that, um, that really always comes back to my mind time and time again from when I was in your class. That it's, I talk about it in What is the Focused Mindset? Episode 4 of, yeah, 4. And it's because what you do in, is you have us in what you call mindful sit. And we were able to sit and think about forgiveness. And mm -hmm. the most unlikely thing popped into my mind. It was a memory that I had had back when I was in junior high of a teacher who um, I brought my goals to him because that's what he was teaching us, his goals. And his response to that goals was, oh, that might not be realistic. I realized that always entered in my mind. And it wasn't until that moment in that mindful sit where I was able to stop and think, oh, it needs to be forgiven on my part that he kind of, he kind of took something from me that day. It took that moment for me to stop and reflect and say, you know what? I'm going to ask why in his world might he do something like that? What was going on in his mind that maybe he didn't recognize? And I choose to forgive that. And right. it's, it's a very powerful thing because a lot of this happens on a subconscious level. So then when we bring it to the attention on purpose, then our mind is able to rethink, look at it differently, and then move forward 
on a completely different path. And of course, I, I want to take this moment to thank you because honestly, we may not be sitting here today if I didn't go through that journey of understanding how the brain works, getting a passion myself for wanting to help parents to really help their kids. It's kind of the same as you. I started realizing, mm -hmm. wait a minute, Who's the ones that are with these kiddos that I'm with all the time? <laughs> you know, like you were with the teachers. Right. Like it's the parents that are with these and they're the, they're the lifeline. They're the absolute right. lifeline. Well, I appreciate that. that I, I love knowing that story that it made such a difference. And I, I think, I think that we don't often think of forgiveness or we think of forgiveness as having to say, I'm sorry, or forgiveness is somebody's telling us you need to forgive that person when really forgiveness is really for, again, for us right? Like you don't have to reconcile with a person. You don't ever have to see that teacher again and tell him, Hey, I forgive you. It's, it's you letting go of that weight that's bringing you down. And how do you work through letting that go? Mm -hmm. So it's huge. Um, and then the last letter in the brief framework is just E and that's, it's, I shouldn't say just E, it's very important E and that's empowering empathy. And to be honest, at this juncture we're in right now in our world um i don't think there could be a more powerful skill to have than mm. empathy so true. um we disagree with um people who have different political views and religious views and different views on whether school should be in person or at home and i mean there's so many things to disagree on but if we can just step back take a breath step back for a moment and say I wonder what the situation might be from that parent, from that child, from that teacher's point of view. What might they be experiencing? What might be going on with them that whatever they believe is so important to them? Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that you have to condone any kind of negative behavior. But when you can approach with empathy, not only does it impact the world in a better way, but it's better for your own, again, health and resilience. And, and empathy is not something you're born with or not. It is a skill that has to be taught and continuously practiced. And so um, if I had a platform right now with parents, which I do apparently right now, so I'm going to say, <laughs> what do you want to say to all the parents? I'm going to say, there? parents, please, please, please teach your kids empathy. There's times it's Google it. Um, but teach your kids starting at a very young age, and you will be giving them a gift that will enable them to live a happier, more productive life. So true. And I would say this too for parents, or for anyone, for any humans. Um, empathy is about being with the person and, um, and sharing in their kind of journey. So sometimes we get very caught up in not having the right words to say yes. when someone has passed away, when someone's going through a time. So if you're a parent, and your teen comes to you with some problem that you think is ridiculous, not even a problem, remember that it, it is important to them. Think back when you were a teenager. And so you don't have to fix it. You don't have to make it better. You could simply say, wow, that must be really hard. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. That yeah. connect, because empathy is about connection. It's, you know, it's not about fixing, which is where parents and educators like to go. We want to fix things, make it better. And I am telling you right now that there's always, there's always an opportunity for growth in every challenge. And sometimes challenges help people grow in ways that they never, ever expected. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel okay. like all of these unexpected challenges that each that you faced, that I faced the ups and downs of life is we're going to see a lot of people and we already are that are learning the skill of empathy because they are taking a minute to look at things through other people's eyes because they are taking a minute to step back and look at things in a whole new way. And then I really believe that when we begin to quote unquote, come out of this, whatever that even means anymore, that we are going to have a more resilient culture. And that might be my optim optimistic side speaking, but I feel as though with, you know, even conversations like this that we may not have had if you were off traveling the world. And I was, at, I was counseling and saying, it's summertime, peace out, baby, I'm not doing this, you know? But we take a moment to reflect upon something that matters and then 
the person that needs to hear it hears it and they make their world a more resilient place and the kids are more resilient and and empathy and resiliency are two completely different concepts but they just might be the two things that come out of this journey that we've been in all spring and into summer in 2020. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, I, this may be kind of crude, so I'll try, let me see if I can say it nicely, but um, <laughs> life often hands us big piles of poop. <laughs> all the time, okay? So it, it, that's just life, right? It has, it hands us that. And we can choose to look at that as a big pile of poop. Or we can choose to look at it as fertilizer that can help us grow. It's the same. No matter what we call it, it is the same, mm -hmm. right? But what we call it makes a difference in how we live it. Yes. Right? Like, yes. And so if we, if we look for those opportunities for growth, if we take time to tap into our purpose, to get connected with people, to be thankful and appreciative and 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 harness our you know wild thoughts then then we are creating um we are creating a, an opportunity for us to really strengthen our own presence with whoever we're with for ourselves and whoever we're with yes yes well said so yeah. i hope and i believe that the people that we're able to reach through the message that you're doing every day and that i'm doing that it encourages people to say i'm going to be the best version of myself and part of that is embracing new concepts and saying, I, I do want to become out of, I do want to come out of this a more resilient person. I do want to come out of this a more compassionate, caring uh, parent for my child. I want to know my child better. All of these things can happen, even in the midst of now and the months to come where we aren't sure what's going to happen. So it's just powerful and so i want us to you know keep in touch and find i know we already are because we're i'm in i'm in your groups and things and we <laughs> always keep in touch but with that said tell everybody where they can find you and where where we can get more information and maybe even is this an online course that you're offering is this a, a workshop so, what is this um so taking time to breathe is not online yet it could be online um right now it's just an in-person session and we can go we've done it as an hour and a half keynote um, we've done it as a one full day and we've done it as several days so depending on how deep you want to go um, you can find me at uh, our website which is www.thrivinguniversity that's y-o-u.com uh, and we have some free resources actually we have a taking time to breathe ebook on that uh, resource page so you could download and there's some exercises to go deeper on that. Um, if you're on Facebook, you can find me at Joelle Hood Joho. Joho is my husband's last name. People think I made that up as something clever with Joelle and Hood, but it's not. <laughs> um, and then we have, you can reach out to me there and, and join our group. So we have a, uh, a group called the Thrive Tribe, which I want to say has like 1,800 or 1,900 people in there and that is really just about being a resilient human. We post articles in there about well-being and resilience, um, empathy, all of those things. Um, we have an educator group, so if you happen to be a parent who's also an educator, um, we have an educator group and we also have a leader group. So um, where we just post different articles and people can connect. And um, and yeah, you can always email me at joelle at thrivinguniversity.com and ask me questions and I'm happy Absolutely. to answer. Well, I would encourage you to make that a course. I could, I could see that, I can picture it in my mind, that being a course on your website. I think people appreciate what they can do at home now because we weren't at home, but now that we are, people are saying, wow, I can take a minute and learn things that I didn't know I could learn straight, just straight from home, you know? That would be Absolutely. amazing. I'll take and it. I just, thought, I just thought of one other thing. So we actually do, we don't have it for adults, but we do have it for kids. Okay. So um, we have Taking Time to Breathe is actually on um, a platform called Thrively. Oh. And Thrively is uh, an awesome resource for parents. In fact, they're opening a parent hub for that this summer. And you can get your kids involved in strength assessment and what's their interest and tapping into their purpose. And our course is on there. We have a Taking Time to Breathe for third, fourth, and fifth graders. And then we have a six through 12 version. Okay. Um, so where we teach these same strategies to kids. So. I'm going to put and all your parent, as a parent, you can do it with us. 
Yes, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. So anyone listening, if you want to scroll down and read the show notes, I'll put the links, I'll put the emails, I'll put all that, all that that we just talked about, I'll sum up and put in the show notes. So you don't have to remember it. it. If you're driving, (laughs) no stress. When you get back, you can look at it. So, (laughs) but again, thank you so much. Um, And thank you for your voice to the parents and the people out there that are making it happen for our kids in a way they have had to step into a role of educator. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would just say, parents, if you are looking at this world and just thinking, oh, it's kind of a hot mess right now, how am I ever going to make a difference? I'm going to leave you with this quote as we go um, by Peter Block, who wrote the book Community. And he said, how do you change the world? One room at a time. Which room? The one you're in. And that might be your living room. Mm-hmm. That might be, you know, um, the family room, wherever that is. Just one person, one room at a time. You can make a difference. So well said. Well, thank you again for coming. And we're going to keep thank in you. touch. When you're done with this next course, we're going to have a whole bunch of knowledge to gain from you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I'm excited. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, sir. Listening back to that conversation with you, I felt empowered. Did you feel that same way? I wonder what impacted you. Jump over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com. I added a brand new about slash contact. And under there, there's a very simple way for you to contact me, either through a voice or through an email. And we're going to start this conversation. And yeah, I said brand new. This has been so fun building this from the ground up with you guys. And I want to thank you for being a part of this journey with me. Make sure you click like and subscribe to this podcast so we can just keep growing it. I have a whole bunch of interviews to come that you're not going to want to miss. And also look in the show notes. I'm going to add some special things just for you, not only about Joelle Hood, but different ways that you can contact me and get some free downloads. I just want this to be the best summer ever for you personally. And it's that time once again for me to sign off. But until next time, everybody, take care.